a ladder can be a really handy thing to have when working around the house. But as we saw in this video, carrying a ladder and a bit of confidence uh, can get you into lots of different places. But this strategy, of course, won't work when we're talking about God's kingdom. We can't just bluff our way into God's kingdom, no matter how hard we try. There's only one way in. There's only one gate. So we're going to read this wonderful passage in John chapter 10. Uh, We're going to be looking at the first ten verses, but we'll only read the first six verses first of all, and then we'll look at the other ones in just a minute or two. So, John chapter 10 and verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate is, is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Now, sheep farming was a basic part of Jewish first century society and economy. And so, Jesus' listeners would have instantly recognised what he was describing here. Sheep pens were usually just of simple constructions. It was just usually an enclosure made with stone, maybe sometimes topped with briars. And it had one opening that served as a gate. And villages often had one common sheep pen that a number of shepherds would use to keep their sheep at night. So one pen would contain a number of different flocks. The gate, well the gate was controlled by the watchman who had the responsibility to keep it closed all night and to guard the sheep. In fact, the watchman would often just lie down in the entrance to the sheep pen and he would become the gate himself. Then in the morning, each shepherd would come to the gate. The watchman opens the gate for him because he would be recognised as the shepherd of the sheep. And then he would use his own distinctive call and call his sheep out of the sheep pen, who would recognise his voice, and they would come out of the fold. This is what Jesus said in verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Remember, there were a number of different flocks there in the sheep pen. There was that really strong connection between a sheep and its shepherd. In fact, they wouldn't be herded or driven by the shepherd, as we are kind of familiar with, you know, you Sometimes see a herd of sheep and the the shepherd is driving the sheep with the sheep dogs and stuff. Instead, the sheep would listen for their follow their shepherd, and he would lead them out. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. It says in verse four. So a shepherd, he enters the sheep pen by the gate because he has the right and the authority to call his sheep out. 
So if somebody climbs over the wall to get at the sheep, then they are clearly not the true shepherd. So that's why Jesus says in verse 1, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. His motivation, his goal, is not the well-being of the sheep. Instead, he's just selfishly going in there to try and take what he can for himself. And so instead of following them, like they do the shepherd, the sheep would not recognize this, this person or follow them. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So what Jesus was describing here was a kind of simple description of something that was very familiar to all of his listeners. But it left his listeners standing there scratching their heads. Jesus used this figure of speech, verse 6 says, but they did not understand what he was telling them. They were familiar with what he was saying, all about sheep and sheep pen and shepherds and thieves, but he had no idea, they had no idea why he was saying it. Or what he was trying to teach them through it. They knew what he was saying, but they didn't know the meaning of it. And so Jesus went on to explain the meaning of this figure of speech. And we're going to break that down into two, two Sundays. So we're going to look next week at how Jesus used this picture to describe himself as the good shepherd. We'll look at that later on, as I said, next week. But before he did this, he used that same picture to describe himself as the gate for the sheep. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So what did he mean? How on earth, what, did, what on earth did Jesus mean by saying he was the gate? So let's read from verse 7 to verse 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. He described himself as the way for the sheep to leave the sheep pen and to join his flock. So what does that mean? What is that picture of? Uh, picture of? Well, I think it seems really clear when you read that passage in its context that what Jesus meant is by the sheep pen is the nation of Israel. That's what it was talking about. The sheep pen is the nation of Israel and Jesus has come to that nation, God's chosen people, to call his sheep, his flock, out of that sheep pen. He's calling all those who will respond to his voice into a new covenant, a new relationship, a new agreement with God. Not one that's based on race or culture or religion or rules. 
put oneness based on faith in him. And that's, of course, the gospel, isn't it? It is a call to come through Jesus into a living relationship with God. Is what John is talking about in this whole gospel. John 1 verse 12 says this, To all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of, born not of natural descent, nor a human, of, of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. But of course, Jesus didn't just come to call people from the nation of Israel. So Jesus will come, came to call out other sheep from other nations. So that's why he said in verse 16 he says this. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, the nation of Israel. I, will, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus came to the nation of Israel first. They were God's chosen nation. And they had the privilege of receiving the gospel first. But the gospel is for everyone. Through faith in Jesus, we are united together. Those of us who receive this this call and answer it, we are united together into one flock. With one Saviour. And one Lord. And this is the the gospel that Paul was so confident in. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16 he says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile, those who are not Jews. And so the way to God is open for all who come But the crucial thing is that they need to all come the same way. Whether Jew or Gentile, we all need to come the exact same way to God. Because Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. He is the one and only true great gate through which people can enter into a relationship with God. There's no other means of entry into God's flock. No other path to God. I think we can see that's the the meaning behind all of these I am sayings that are in John's Gospel, isn't it? He is the only bread of life. He is the only light of the world. He is the only gate, the only good shepherd, the only resurrection, the only way and truth and life, the only true thing. Jesus is clearly claiming to... To be the only way to God. And so all those who try to come and lead the sheep in a different direction, instead of just putting their faith in Jesus, well, those people who try and lead lead the sheep in the other way, well, they're not from God. That's why Jesus said, all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I think Jesus is probably thinking about here the Pharisees and the the religious leaders of his day. Remember, we've just looked at that last week, didn't we? About these leaders who confronted Jesus 
or confronted a blind man who had been healed by Jesus. And he confronted him because this man refused to deny Jesus. He refused to reject Jesus. So what did they do? They put him out of the synagogue. Their motivation was self-centered and selfish. They were working to protect their power and their position. And that's why they saw Jesus as a threat to them. But the man who had been healed from his blindness, he listened to God's call. He listened to Jesus' call. He put his faith in Jesus. Remember we we saw this wonderful declaration of faith last week. Lord, I believe. And so though it was the Pharisees who put this man out of the synagogue, it was actually Jesus who led him out of that religious system and called him into a new relationship with God through him. What this man experienced in John chapter 9 is just a picture of what Jesus goes on to explain in John chapter 10. How he came to call his people out of that old religious system to follow him and become his flock. But what Jesus is saying here applies to all of us. All of us who want to, to, uh, to be part of God's family. And it also applies to those who want to lead Jesus, lead people away from Jesus, like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law did. If anybody comes and they try and lead people away from that simple faith in Jesus in order to be part of God's family, then they are not from God. They are thieves and robbers. doesn't matter how nice they are. Or how attractive they could be. Or how considerate they are. If they're trying to lead people away from faith in Jesus only for salvation, then they are thieves and robbers. They're not coming in the appointed way. And they're not able to deliver what they're claiming. Because only Jesus can bring people into God's flock. Only Jesus can bring people into his church. This is what Jesus emphasised at the end of his his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through that. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. That gate that leads to life is narrow. Not because only a few are invited. But it's narrow because there's only one way to come to God. And that's through faith in Jesus. But when anybody does come through to God through, through Jesus, then they can have that confidence that they have experienced true salvation. See what Jesus says in verse, 19, verse 9, sorry? Of chapter 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is the gateway to salvation. This is why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to organize a religion for godly people. 
He did not come to call the righteous into God's kingdom. He did not come to give a list of rules and regulations for people to try and keep in order to keep them, make themselves acceptable before God. And said, Jesus came as our Savior. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus came for the lost. He came for the sinner. He came for the person who knew they were messed up. He came to rescue men and women and young people who were lost in their sins and separated from God. He came because people like us had rebelled against God's law and would fallen short of God's standard. And we deserved condemnation and separation from Him forever. He came because we were powerless to do anything to change our situation ourselves. And he came because he loved us so much that he was willing to experience the agony and the horror of the cross rather than love us, lose us forever. And because Jesus completed that work that his Father gave, us, gave him to do, he was able to declare from the cross, it is finished. Our sin debt is paid in full. Our death sentence has been fully satisfied. Nothing more is needed. Jesus has done it all. And so that's why Jesus could give this wonderful promise here. That whoever enters through me will be saved. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. Those who enter through Jesus, who put their faith in Him, accept Him as their Saviour and Lord, will be saved. There's no maybes here. There's no could be, might be, perhaps. There's no condition. Other than whether we've entered through Jesus or not. It's not dependent on our background, or our behaviour, or our accomplishments. If we come to God through Christ, then we will be saved. Because Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. It doesn't depend on us. And we can thank God for that, can't we? It's not about how well you're doing in your Christian life. It's not about how, how good you look to other people. It's not about how much you can do in service or ministry. It's not about your role in church. It's just simply whether we've come to God through Christ or not. So this is true security and true salvation. Not dependent on our efforts, our goodness, our righteousness, but simply on our faith in Christ. And this assurance of salvation is echoed right throughout so much of what we read in, in John's Gospel. Probably the, the most famous verse, John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Guaranteed but have eternal life. 
So the main question that we need to ask ourselves, not just this morning, but in our lives, is have we entered through this gate? Have we heard his call? Left everything else behind? And put our faith in him, our trust in him? If not, then guys, it doesn't matter what else we do in our life. We will not be saved. But if we have have done this, then it doesn't matter what we or anybody else thinks of us. We are saved. And we will never be lost. And if we do come through faith in Christ, we will experience real life. Jesus said that about all those who enter through him, he will come in and go out And find pasture. This coming in and going out, I think, is a picture of liberty, of freedom. In the synagogue of Nazareth, Jesus claimed that he had come to fulfill the prophecy of the the prophet Isaiah in bringing true freedom. He says this in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus came to set the captives free. Through his death, he set us free from slavery to sin and to death and to hell. He came to set us free from guilt and fear. To set us free from that burden of the law as a means to be right with God. And said, we who have trusted in Jesus, we've been declared righteous through our faith in Christ. We know that our sins are forgiven. We know that we've been accepted into God's family and that nothing and no one can ever separate us from his love. So like that man who was was born blind, the sheep can leave that sheep pen because their security, their, their safety is not in the structures of our religion. It's not in the walls of our national identity. It's not in anything else that man has produced. Rather, it's in our acceptance in Christ. And we have freedom to come in and go out. Knowing that we are safe and secure because we're held by Christ. And that's the freedom that God wants to give each one of us. Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God wants us to live in that freedom. Not freedom so we can go back to those fruitless deeds of darkness and sin. But freedom to live, not freedom to live any way that we want, but to freedom to serve God with our lives. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. It's not freedom to do what we want, it's freedom to, to live the life we were called to live and created to live and redeemed to live. So following Jesus is not something restrictive 
or heavy in our lives. It's not something that, that pens us in to a rigid way of living. Instead, it gives us the freedom to live as God has called us to live. To live a life of serving Him and serving others. To live a life of nourishment and satisfaction. Because Jesus didn't just come to give us eternal security. He came to give us eternal life. A quality of life that starts now and will last forever. There's many in this world who claim to be able to do that. Jesus says the thief, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I don't know whether Jesus is talking here again about the Pharisees and the, and the, and the, uh, the religious leaders of his day or whether he's thinking about the one who ultimately stands behind their deception. Do you remember how Jesus had earlier said to these religious leaders, you belong to your father, the devil? And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and the father of lies. So ultimately, it's the devil's goal to steal men and women from God and to destroy their lives and to destroy their connection with God. But of course, the devil covers that up. He covers up his goal with so many false claims and attractive promises. He's the father of lies. He's the source of all counterfeit religion and false prophets and ungodly worldviews. Right from the start, his goal has always been to deceive people into thinking that his way is better than God's way. That was the deception in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? They gave Eve those false promises of fulfillment through disobeying God. You will not surely die, he said. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Look, take it. That That will give you fulfillment. That will give you satisfaction. That will fill that gap you feel in your life. But the consequences for listening to the devil's spin is always serious. It always leads to death. So guys, if you're being tempted today to think that I don't want to really follow Jesus because this way looks so attractive. The way of the world looks so much better. Please don't believe it. That way is the broad road. It's easy. It's wide. You can do whatever you want. Remember, it leads to destruction. But following Jesus always leads to life. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He came to give us life in all its fullness. A rich and satisfying life. A life that will meet our deepest needs. Surpass our wildest dreams. Jesus said that those who enter through him, he will come in and go out and find pasture. This picture of of food, of our daily requirements. It's a promise of deep down nourishment and satisfaction of our soul. Not the superficial stuff. Not the prosperity life that people look at these days. It's not about being rich or being happy or being healthy. 
It's not about that. It's something deeper. Something that our lives, our souls are longing for. It's what David wrote in his famous psalm. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We don't need to go anywhere else to find that satisfaction. We don't need to listen to the lies of the world. Jesus came to give us that full and rich and abundant and satisfying life. A life in relationship with Him. Are we willing to let him lead, him lead us into that? So guys, we can't bluff our way into God's kingdom. Like we saw in a little video clip. We can't sneak our way in. Jesus is the only entrance to the flock of God's people. He is the only gateway to salvation. He is the only way to true freedom. He's the only gate to life. So our question this morning is, have we entered in through this gate?